This is a little bit of a different sermon this morning, and uh, I'm excited about that, but it's out of my territory to present things to you, besides just expositing the Word. This morning, we will be in the Word, uh, but we want to begin by sharing what God has been doing in preparing the way for our family, for Jennifer and I, to go to South Africa. And we want to begin by asking for you to pray for us. This truly is not the least you can do. It's something that we beg and ask of you, and we think it would be a great treasure to receive from you, to know that your voice is beholding God in His throne, beseeching His throne on our behalf. We have some prayer cards in the back, on the back table, that we want everybody to take one and remember us in prayer. The trip to South Africa will be at the tail end of our sabbatical calendar. So we will have some rest time and renewing and and rejoicing in what God has been doing in our lives. And then this will be the the very end of our sabbatical time. It is the dates is uh, July 13th to the 23rd. That is 10 days, including travel. And um, we will be um, in South Africa during that time. So chiefly this morning... I'd like to just speak with you about our travels and inform you about that. Just as last week, I shared with you about our goals for rest and shared with you some spiritual instruction on how to enjoy rest in God. And so this morning, uh, we want to share with you what God, what we hope that God will do as we behold his works. So we'll be joining uh, with Cornerstone Fellowship. Um, over there, which is a church that has sprung up in the last several years by means of the faithful labor in the Word of God and proclaiming the Gospel in South Africa. And we have been part of that. We have been part of planting a church there in South Africa. And our goal is to explore God's works. Uh, We like to see the glory of God on display in another part of the world. Uh, We... um, We recognize that God does glorious things here, but our hearts have been hungry to see the greatness of our God and to see the faithfulness of God to meet and to to change the lives of many people in lands that we have never been to before. And we are so thankful for um, your help and your gift in giving us the plane tickets to get over to South Africa and the gifts that may accompany. We have opened up a fund on our Church Center app where you can stow away with us to be a blessing to the Stow family. And our goal is to reach about $400. Um, that includes some supplies, some gifts for the children, then also a fellowship meal for the church uh, while we're there in South Africa that we would cater a fellowship meal as they gather together in the bonds of Christ. So uh, you can also give in the offering plate between now and July 9th. Um, and just give towards Providence Church. But in the memo, put um, South Africa on the memo, and uh, we'll direct that fund that way. The church center, when you go to the giving, there's a normal giving tab. Click on that, and you'll see underneath it, there's a secondary giving tab to the South Africa mission trip. And those things will go directly towards the Stowe's and Cornerstone Fellowship. We want to encourage the church there at Cornerstone. There's actually several churches that are working together to reach the garden route, the southern tip of South Africa. And 
we'll be actually engaging and fellowshipping with several of those churches, along with Brett and Brittany, of course, and we want to just exalt Christ. We want to exalt Christ um, to one another, Jennifer and I, to, um, uh, to exalt in him and his great works and strengthen our faith and our joy in the work of Christ. And then secondarily to everyone who are with, but especially Brett and Brittany, as we minister and, um, and abide with them. On our schedule while we're there is several opportunities to do such things. And first of all, we're going to be worshiping. Uh, with Cornerstone Fellowship just about soon after we land there. And I've been blessed to to be able to speak there. I'll be preaching to the fellowship um, that Sunday morning. Uh, Then during the week, I'll be part of several several different ministry initiatives and team um, gatherings and strategy sessions and normal routines of leadership meeting together. I'll be meeting together with the Nisna Hope team. I'll be meeting together with the Ironman Men's Bible Study. Uh, we'll be together with them for their midweek service, which is on a Tuesday evening. And um, we as a church will be catering um, their fellowship meal that evening, which will be such a sweet testimony of sisterhood in Christ between our churches. And we hope will be a blessing to them. And then I'll be gathering with them. We'll be meeting with their church leadership. I will be with their deacons and with Brett and also be meeting some of their other ministry team partners throughout the week and actually staying on site with another ministry partner at another church in another ministry. You'll be staying in a, in a cottage on their property as we stay there. We'll be visiting an elementary school and seeing how life is for children and youth in South Africa culture. And then also um, seeing an elderly care home and seeing how they take care of their elderly and just being immersed and engaged, learning a little bit about the culture We'll be doing some traveling to see different parts of South Africa to, again, see partake in the culture, also the scenes of the seacoast, even the desert and the villages and the city. And as you remember, we are partnering with the Stowe family. And there's actually a prayer card for them on the back table. If you probably have one from before, but if you've lost them, misplaced or never have had one, please grab one of those. But the Stowe family... Um, includes Brett and Brittany, of course, and then Isaiah and Brooklyn has been, uh, I think she's about a year and a half old. How we came to know the Stowe's is kind of a fun story. Uh, Brett had came to us in 2015 with a mission trip. He and Brittany had just been married and he was doing a pastoral internship in a church in Indianapolis, Indiana, Colonial Hills Baptist Church. And I had some connections and friendship there and we invited them out in the middle picture at the top. Their, their ministry team, their youth group came with quite a few capable leaders and, uh, and Brett and Brittany being some of them. And they ministered to us. They set up a vacation Bible school for three nights. And then also we did a teen that we called it Cola Clash between Coke and Pepsi one night. And they came rolling in. And on the left side, you see there's a picture of the youth um, night that we had and I was going to ask Hayden if he remember that. Bella, do you remember that a little bit? And Carter, you remember that? Cassia? Kyle does. And so they did a great youth bash one night, big ball volleyball and all kinds of stuff, tube tug, and they did some skits. And Brett there is wearing the green Peter Pan-ish type looking outfit there. He would die to know that I'm showing the picture, but he did a skit. This was, of course, in his younger days about, this is 2015, eight years ago. 
And then also uh, on the right side then is a picture of the VBS and God bless us with somewhere between 20 and 30 children on the property at that time. We had a set, we had a whole theme going on through the, through the week and just were able to proclaim the gospel of Christ uh, and then they rolled out later in the week. But they were a faithful team and then two years later, Brett would give me a call and say, hey, the Lord is leading Brett, Brittany and I to start a church in South Africa working together with a network of other churches Will you pray and see what God would, would have for Providence to be a part of that? So I invited him to come out, and that picture on the top left is him presenting to us right here at Northside uh, in 2017 and sharing with us his vision. And since then, we've been able to catch up with him several different times. But in order to share a little bit about what God's been doing and what he prays that God will do, I'd like to show a movie to you that he put together for our, for our edification this morning. And so... Uh, listen into this, and the sound should be up in the back on this. Cities of 
250,000 people. We started to see God raise up church planters to see churches planted in this region. The need is great. The opportunity is great. And we want to see God meet those needs. God has already blessed our team with eight churches planted along the garden route with more on the way. We now desire to be faithful in raising up leaders to lead these congregations in God's time. One specific ministry of the network will be a theological and ministry training program that will seek to educate and equip local university-age students for ministry in the local church. We're calling this the Foundations Program. We're hoping that this network initiative can work to encourage local ministry leaders as they labor along the garden route, as well as assist in providing strategic parachurch ministry opportunities that aid the local church in its mission. Christ has commissioned us. We desire to see many more local churches planted along this region of the world. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel as we seek to make Christ known on the garden roots. Well, I am so sorry about that first. My heart is racing right now. Uh, so everybody just take a deep breath from that for a second. My heart was almost going to race right now. I'm dropping my laptop too. Um, so he's spoke about the Foundations Bible Institute and we have been praying for Alex and Becky Tandon who have been stalled, at least according to human timing, in going over to South Africa to minister in this way. So these churches are, are beginning to thrive. Their young people are coming up through their churches. They're hungry to minister the word of God, but they need a Bible institute, a college to prepare them to further live out Christ and to build churches and to thrive as the next generation of Christians. So these churches are working together to put together a Bible institute called Foundations Bible College. And Alex Tandon, along with his wife Becky, have, have felt the call to come over and lead that initiative, that Bible Institute. God has had some other plans. Their little boy Joshua, I think around 11, 12 years old, has come down with some, a form of cancer here in the States right before they were going to leave. So we've been praying for him and just awaiting to see what God will do. It looks like they're going to have to push back the timeline on starting up this foundation. But there's Alex and his, and his wife and his children there. But they will be partners together with Brett. And Brett, near to Brett's heart, is young people. He loves ministering young people, whether it's children, uh, teenagers, uh, youth in college. And so this is a very uh, close burden to, to Brett's heart. And so we're eager to see what God will do. Well, how can you pray for us as we head over to South Africa and minister and just seek to be an encouragement? Well, number one, we ask that you would pray that we would draw closer to the Lord and closer to one another. We really do believe that you can be as close to the Lord as you want to be. James 4.8 says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. You can be as close to the Lord as you want to be. Are you hungry for that? We're desiring that we would draw closer and closer to the Lord. And then also in our marriage with one another and as our family. Secondly, we want to ask that you would pray that we would be an encouragement to others. We want to be a breath of fresh air. We want to be um, an affirmation. We want to be um, whatever we can be for the Lord to use us as we minister to so many different people while we're there. And then pray for the goodness and the greatness of God to inspire and encourage and enlarge 
um, our hearts so that we will worship and serve for his glory. We ask that you would do that, that God would would become even greater and occupy more of our adoration and uh, would truly be at the center of our lives. And so please take a prayer card on the back table as you leave today and uphold us in prayer um, throughout our time. Tomorrow starts our sabbatical, but this trip will be at the tail end of the sabbatical. It will be in July 13th. Now, how do you get from Africa to Africa from where you are? Maybe you're saying, Pastor Jury, I have no desire to go to Africa. Maybe some of you are saying, I wish I could go with you. I won't ask a show of hands on either one of those. But I think it's a worthy question to be asked this morning. And that is, how do you get to Africa from where you are? And I want to challenge you this morning. I want us all to be challenged this morning by Moses' interaction with God that we've been dwelling in for several weeks. And so turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. In Exodus 33, Moses is meeting with the Lord. And the Lord begins to unveil to Moses that he's going to lead the people into the promised land. Now this is going to be uh, redirected at a later time, but, but God is delivering to Moses uh, this, this uh, idea, this commission. And verse number 12 of Exodus 33, Moses records about this interaction. And in order to refresh it in our hearts and minds, let's read together in verse 12 of Exodus 33. Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. Therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses said to God, If your presence will not go with me, then do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, and I in your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, and I in your people from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, You cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So how do you get to Africa from where you are? How did anybody get to Africa in the first place? Well, more specifically, how did the gospel of Christ get to Africa in the first place? There's many answers to that, but one of the answers lies in the the life of a missionary in the early 1800s whose name was David Livingston. 
David Livingston became one of the fathers of mission into the continent of Africa. I'd like to tell you a little bit about his story. He grew up in a pauper's house, uh, although under a devout father who told him stories of the gospel spread around the globe. At the young age of 10 years old, he was working in mills all day long and in the evening by candlelight was then tutored. He was brilliant and soon he would enlist himself into school to learn two different sciences, the science of medicine and really the science of God, theology. So he would prepare himself to be a, what you would think of as a missionary doctor. He became uh, familiar with a, a very godly theologian by the name of Robert Moffat, and he fell quickly in love with his daughter Mary. And they were married. And soon after their marriage, then David Livingston would meet together and be called by the London Missionary Society. It was a newly formed group that was intent on spreading the gospel around the world. And their first look was towards China. There was a war going on in China called the Opium Wars. And so soon the Spirit of God would turn the heart of, of David Livingston and the men in the missionary society towards the continent of Africa, a very dark continent. And we would think of it as gospel-less. With, without much fear, David Livingston got on a boat and, and sailed down to Cape Town, South Africa, which is where actually Jennifer and I will be flying into he wouldn't stay there long and he became, he became impassioned because part of his commissioning from missionary society was also commissioned and paid for by a geographical uh, society and so it would become a geographical expedition. Africa was a dark continent in the ways of there was no real maps of central Africa. Nobody knew, at least in the modern world, where the Nile began and where villages were and how to cross Africa from south to north and from east to west. So Livingston became burdened that if he was going to go and carry the gospel and make maps, it must be that he would do so for the means of creating paths for faithful gospel ambassadors into Africa. That is to say that he would chart the course, literally, for future missionaries in Africa. So that today, people like Brett Stowe and others that you know that are ministering the gospel on the continent of Africa are do so in very much in debt to the, the maps and the expeditions that were begun by David Livingston, this faithful man. He set out from Cape Town and headed more towards the central part of the continent. And there were several commitments that he had in his heart. What kind of commitments did he have in his heart? Number one. David Livingston was intent on preparing to serve the Lord. He desired that not only would his, his natural gifts be sharpened, um, the spiritual gifts that he had to, to serve the Lord, but his natural skills and abilities would be sharpened by means of preparation theologically and, and even through the school of science of medicine. And so he determined that if he was going to be effective for God, it meant preparing to serve God in an intentional, skilled way. And my did God reap benefits from his medicine. But he used his trained skills and he used his spiritual gifts to serve God. He took an evaluation. He took an accounting of what God had called him to do. And he said, this is all for the Lord and it's for the gospel's advance. He was moving in ministry 
That is, that he was desiring to be used of God. And he was already putting his hands to the task, involving himself in the missionary society and, and praying and seeking God's face. He was moving in ministry. And he was committed to the church. He wasn't a maverick. He was someone who was firmly grounded, grounded and, and firmly convinced that, that the gospel must be spread by the means of and the effort and the prayer and the diligence of the church of Jesus Christ. So he would go into Africa and he would plant seeds and there would be whole villages who had come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ in Central Africa that had never heard the name Jesus before. And soon they would begin to worship this God of all creation and bow their knee before Him. And he was a team player. As he would chart the middle of the South Africa and you read his story, some members of the village, even some of the leaders of the village, would, would join his expedition through the parts of Central Africa as he would chart the course. Along the way, as, along the paths, there was great treachery awaiting for him. The story is told in multiple accounts in different ways that a lion attacked him and dislocated and, and really mangled his shoulder for the rest of his life. Walking through brush and jungles, a branch nearly poked his eye out so he lost the vision in his eye. And the, 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 the heat and the sun in Africa burned his skin so that upon returning to England to bring his family back to Africa to join with him, his wife barely recognized him and without any pun set aside, he could barely see his beautiful wife. As he returned then to Africa, as soon as he returned, his wife uh, became ill with a deadly disease and in a matter of weeks or months, then in Africa, passed away. So did two of his children. But he would continue on serving the Lord if even it meant that he would be carried by his own expedition. So wandering through the jungles and all through Africa was he, then his exploits were becoming known and been made famous that America heard about it and the New York Herald sent out a journalist to find out what this man was doing because what he was doing was becoming helpful for not only the gospel witness but also commerce of the great British Empire fueling, sourcing things into the, the commercial area in, in Africa. So then... There was a journalist named H.M. Stanley who spent some time, some weeks, looking for Livingston. He, all he had was hearsay and, and sort of dust in the wake of wherever Livingston was. And finally, one day, he was able to meet Dr. Livingston. And maybe you've heard this famous quotation, Dr. Livingston, I presume. After dwelling then and joining with him on his journey for just a short period of time, H.M. Stanley has now wrote his, his own autobiography and tells the story how when he came to Africa, he was an atheist and wanted nothing to do with God. But after walking with Livingston, he gloriously bowed his knees and became a great gospel witness. Before Livingston went to Africa, he wrote in his journal this. God, send me anywhere. Only go with me. 
Just not like Moses a little bit. Remember, Moses said, unless you go, I don't want any part in that journey. God, you've got to go with me. I'll go anywhere as long as you're with me. Lay any burden on me, but sustain me when you do it. And sever any tie in my heart, except the tie that binds my heart to yours. David Livingston was a prayerful man. And towards the end of his life, he lived to be about, I think, about 60 years old. He came into Zambia, and great was his heart for the people in the nation of Zambia. He went into a hut and asked that others would gather with him in prayer, but the the fellow Africans that were around him felt that it was too precious of a moment and that the hut was too precious of a sanctuary that they would not dare to meet with God, with David Livingston, for so close was he. Like Moses, they felt like he was seeing God face to face, so they left the room as David Livingston knelt beside his bed. After a period of time, they dared to enter back into the hut. They thought surely that he was done praying, and one of the converts then laid their hand on his shoulder, and there he was, still on his knees, but now with the Lord. He had died praying. Well, London learned of his death and gave him an outstanding, wonderful burial. But it would be a year later. Because only in just a couple days following Livingston's death, the the mourners would take the heart of Livingston out and place it in the soil of Africa sew up his body and embalm his body and prepare it for shipment back. So years, a year later, when it returned back to London, one of the identifying features of his now decomposing body was the wound of the lion on his shoulder that they had heard about. And they led a ceremony there in the Westminster Abbey and they buried him. Today, in the middle of the Uh, nave, which is the place where the congregation worships, perhaps in the aisle. There, they they bury them. And uh, here's what that stone looks like, but they included one of his prayers as he was uh, finishing his life here on earth. And all I can add in my solitude is, may heaven's rich blessing come down on everyone, American, English, or Turk, who will help to heal this open sore of the world. I wonder this morning, you can't go to Africa. Maybe not right now. But God doesn't ask for you to go to Africa. And truthfully, I have many more paths that God requires of me besides going to Africa in a few weeks. But God does desire for his children to be path makers. And every single one of us is called to be a path maker as a result of the great commission to, while going into all the world, to make disciples. Path makers isn't just for chart makers like David Livingston. 
Pathmakers isn't just for faithful missionaries like Brett and Brittany still. God has called you to be a pathmaker. Your continent may not be Africa. Your territory may not be that treacherous. But what about your life? What does the map of your life look like? What's your village? What's your people? What's your relationships? God has called each one of us, just like he did David Livingston, just like he did Moses, just like he did the Stowe's, to make paths to people's hearts. Moses asked the question, and maybe you asked the question, and it's not a wrong question to ask. Lord, I will, I will go where you want me to go, but I need company, because I can't do it myself. So I will go to my continent. I will go to my village. But who will you send with me? God assures you and I in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 20. And I will be with you. Even to the end of the world. You see, God's commission has always been part of his mission. He gave the same mission to Moses as he gives to you and I in the Church of Christ. And he gives, he gives the same promise, the same assurance. Moses, I will go with you. Jesus, to the disciples, I will be with you to the end of the age. And now you, as a disciple of Christ, receive that same promise. You go. You go to your village. I'll be with you. And Moses said, show me your glory. And God answered, my goodness will pass before you. Have you ever prayed the prayer, show me your glory? I think uh, we've prayed a lot of prayers for healing. We pray a lot of prayers for provision. We even pray prayers of thanksgiving and praise. But a worthy prayer of a faithful pathmaker. Is God okay? You're going with me. Show me your glory. And God says, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim my name. You don't need missionary support, financial. You may not even need a GPS. You really don't need all the supplies that you think you might need. They're all really secondary. When you go and God is going with you, truly, He's all you need. His name, the hope, must be your hope. That's all you need to give to others. Sometimes we get all tangled up in, well, what, what, what do I need to serve the Lord? What did Moses need to enter into the promised land? He needed a lot. But God said, the most critical, the most central thing you need is hope in me. 
Behold my faithfulness. I will proclaim my name, but I will proclaim my name to you, Moses. I'm not going to skip over and just tell you, hey, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to proclaim my name to everybody else. God proclaims his name to Moses. Do you know that God longs to speak to you? God longs to preach to you when you turn your ears towards Him. You're not just a pragmatic means to an end for God. God wants to do a work in you so that He can do a work through you. And so often we just say, God, I want to do... I want, I want you to do a work through me. I want to impact other people's lives. I want to influence other people for Christ. I want you to use me greatly in other people's lives. But God says, no, we've got to start in square number one. I've got to show myself great to you first. Do you know God loves to do that? And that's really what got hold of David Livingston's heart. And really, that's what's got hold of my heart is as we've been ministering, serving, so God, use me and impact other people's lives. And part of my prayer for our sabbatical, part of my prayer for our trip to South Africa is, God, I've told everybody else your greatness and goodness, but I need to just stop. I need to be in a rock. And I want to hear you just tell me your name. I want, to, I want you to show me your glory. I want to behold your goodness. Here in South Africa. But I want to be the end. I don't want to just be a means. So we ask that you would pray with us in this. So let me ask you this question. How do you get from Africa to Africa from here? How do you get to Africa from here? I think biblically the answer is you get there by meeting with God. That's where Africa is. It's not that God's in Africa. He is. But it's that Africa, God is Africa. Meet with Him. Behold His glory. How do you get to Africa from here? Meet with God. Let's pray.